If you could name who, what you think my singing voice sounds like, who would you name? Oh, man. Because I think I would give you... Like, I would be torn between giving you somebody like Luther Vandross or, like, Tom Waits. When I sing, I sound like a cross between Bob Dylan and Tom Petty. Oh, my. I'm a, my wife says I can sing if I learn to. I just never <laughs> learn to. <laughs> Hello, Presbyterians. Welcome to uh, this week's edition of the SomaCast, the weekly podcast of the Synod of Mid-America. I'm Landon Witsit, the executive and stated clerk of the Synod, and uh, your ostensible host for this romp through Presbyterian fun, because Presbyterian is fun. Amen, brother? Amen. Yes, and that uh, that with me is uh, James Gale, our director of operations. Say hello, James. Hello, James. See, I taught him well. He does it so well. Good night, Gracie. All right. Uh, today we want to talk about this week. We want to talk about uh, innovation. Uh, we have a uh, a fund available. There's been there's been a couple uh, articles, news articles written. Uh, Presbyterian News Service, and we put out some stuff on our blog, and it's gotten some talk. I've gotten some emails about it. We have this thing called the Innovation Fund, and uh, we want to just talk about innovation in general, the Innovation Fund specifically. So. Uh, uh, James, do you remember the first time you heard about the Innovation Fund? I do remember the first time I heard about the Innovation Fund, and I think maybe a good place for us to start this morning is talking about Landon. What is the word innovation to you, and why is it important to the Synod of Mid-America? Oh, that is such a good question. Yeah, because innovation is a very, well, it's a squirrely term, isn't it? I mean, if you were, well, let me flip it back on you. Do you, do you think innovation has a very precise definition, or is it is it pretty wide and pretty broad? I think innovation is one of those words that uh, my innovation might not be your innovation. Yeah. And and part of the struggle in figuring out when we call something an innovation fund, what's innovation? Yeah. What is innovative and what does that look like? And I know in a lot of our press material, people ask that question, well, is this creative enough? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think people limit innovation simply as a new word for creativity. Yeah. And I think um, one of the things we're exploring today is what is that word? What does it mean? And I think in our work here at the Synod of America, we're opening up innovation to each of our presbyters and letting them decide and ha- sort of playing in that field of imagination and not limiting it to this is James and or Landon and or commissioners projects. These are projects from our very creative people, innovative people in our pews and in our Presbyterian um, offices all across our Synod and hopefully our denomination. Yeah. When when I was first hired, two things happened on the day that I was that I was hired back in June of uh, 2011. Two things happened. One, of course, I was elected to be the executive and stated clerk. But the second thing that happened at that meeting was the synod commissioners uh, acted on a recommendation uh, from their from the coordinating council at the time to take an almost six hundred thousand dollar building fund and to convert it into this thing called the innovation fund. And the only parameters that were that were limited or that, that were given in the motion was to create an innovation fund to help fund innovative new mission and ministry in our presbyteries. That's it. And then there, there was another clause that said that, that, that I, the newly elected executive and state of clerk and the coordinated council would work out what it meant what innovation meant, what the parameters were. So, I mean, the world was our oyster. We were, we were both um, thrilled, obviously. I mean, this is somebody hands you 600 grand and says, go figure out how to give this away. That's thrilling. But also we were scared to death because, you know, this kind of work, you know, 
really has not been done uh, very broadly and very widely. So in, in, a, in a lot of ways, we are, we are one, of the, one of the groups that are blazing the trail. So the, I think the main question that we had to wrestle with is exactly the question that you asked. What does, what does innovation mean? If we're going to call it an innovation fund, what does it mean? Um, because we were really clear that we wanted this to be presbytery generated. You know, as we talked about on the first SomaCast, when we talked about us being like an architectural design build firm and being a partner in ministry, in no way did we want to walk into a presbytery and say, hey, John Calvin Presbytery, or hey, Missouri Union Presbytery, we've got this money and we want to start this ministry in your bounds. I mean, that's, that's completely inappropriate. Uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to say, hey, John Calvin, or hey, Missouri Union, we've got this money available that we want to give to you. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the funniest things that you talk about is one of the presbyteries that you're working with to help them kind of craft some stuff and, and to answer some questions is Heartland Presbytery. And I think, it's, I think it is awesome, but also uh, really kind of a, 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 a revealing commentary that it took you until like last month for them to actually believe you that, no, we really want to give you money, Right. Why do you think they didn't believe you that we really want to give them money? Well, I think, first of all, um, there's that sort of rub between are they just asking us to do something we've always done with a new paint job? And what we're, when we ask them, no, we really want you to play in the field of imagination. We really want you to explore what the Spirit is calling you to do without limitation, that people get scared by that. Um, and I think what's really going on is that they believe you're really going to give me money with no strings. You're going to give me this risk-free and you're going to dare me to do something that may or may not work and I won't get in trouble for it. And I think as Presbyterians, we love decency and order, but sometimes we forget that decency and order isn't all there is to the game. Part of being a Christian is taking that risk, uh, having no fear, and really stepping out on faith. Mm -hmm. And traditionally, as a cradle Presbyterian, I would say we've not been willing to take that risk. We've been afraid to do that for a number of reasons, and good reasons. And here we're offering this chance. So I understand why people might be a little bit reticent about saying, what's the catch? And once they realize there is no catch other than we want you to have a well-thought-out, sound plan, we're not just giving it to you willy-nilly, there are certain parameters that we want to at least have a modicum of chance of success, but it's okay. I think that's one of the great innovations, if you will, of the innovation fund, is that we're really saying, hey, get out there, do some stuff, we know you want to do it, take a risk, take a flyer, if it works... For the glory of God, great. If it doesn't, we'll learn from it, and the learning in of itself will be an innovative process. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's hold on to that idea of fear because I really do want to come back to that. I sure. Think that's that's the thing that that you have uh, in in your working with some of these presbyteries and in my working with some of these presbyteries. That's the thing that we've really discovered. So I do want to come back to that. Um, so just just to, to close the loop on innovation uh, and the innovation fund in particular, then we can start talking about all this really fun stuff. What we decided was this: so we wanted it to come from the presbyteries, but we wanted to give them, as you said, here are the parameters. You know, we're not going to do willy nilly, but here are the parameters that we want to work in. So here are the ways. Here's what we said in in the parameters of the innovation fund description and application. Here's what we said: the word innovation is merely a placeholder and is intended to suggest to our presbytery applicants the broad approach that the synod wishes to support. Other words that we could use would be creative, new, prototypical, inventive, out-of-the-box, different, risky, groundbreaking, cutting-edge, imaginative, generative, constructive, among others. Regardless of the specific word that we're using, still quoting this, uh, this, this application, It's the synod's wish that the kind of ministry that is supported is ministry that has not yet been tried in a given presbytery.
not yet been tried. That's all we mean by innovation. What have you always wanted to do that you've not done for whatever reason? What have you always wanted to do? What are some of the ideas that you've been hearing from some of our presbyteries? Uh, wow, that's I mean, great. You, you don't you don't have to talk specifics because I, I don't know what they're doing. Because generally, the first call is sort of explain to me this word innovation, yeah. as you said, and and sort of the um, understanding that really we're asking you to do something that hasn't been done, and from there take it and mm-hmm. run with it. We've heard ideas for a whole host of different worshiping communities. Mm-hmm. We've had some calls about things as creative as integrating immigrant and music ministries. We've heard a couple of things in the, in our own Presbytery Heartland about creating a new worshiping community that becomes an incubator for multiple pastoral awesome. and ministry opportunities. Uh, we've heard some things in an, another one of our presbyteries about setting up uh, bilingual and cross-cultural initiatives. So we've kind of heard... Yeah, I think my favorite one is the one that, that is kind of getting a lot of play in southern Kansas. Um, they want to start a church for um, persons in their geographic bounds um, who are Spanish-speaking. How I mean, it just seems like a no-brainer, but they have not had the opportunity to do this previously, and now they want to get on this horse and they want to ride. That is... Maybe so, so when we're talking about innovation, when we're talking about risky and groundbreaking, it doesn't have to be crazy. Right. And, and again, I think this is a good time to really stress to uh, those of you that are listening that doing something that hasn't been done doesn't mean you need to think of a new idea that the church has never seen. Right. It, what we're really stressing is it might not have been done in your neighborhood, in your context, and each context has a unique component. Mm-hmm. So just because it's Spanish-speaking, sure, that's been done in Texas and other places where there are great populations. But for one to be done in southern Kansas, which has traditionally not had that component, that is groundbreaking. Yeah. So I think one of the things that we the conversation is is that you don't have to think of a ministry no one has ever imagined. Exactly. In fact, the joke amongst many of us in the church is we all plagiarize Paul. It's been thought of already, but we're thinking of new ways of doing that or new context or new twist on yeah. something that's been done. So I think if we start there, it becomes a little less daunting. Yeah, it's, it's like what... Um in the book, Where Great Ideas Come From, Stephen Johnson. Uh, if Folks, if you've not read it, it is probably one of the best books I've ever read. And in that, that's where the idea, and you may have heard of this idea, that's where the idea of the adjacent possible comes in. And what, what Johnson is, is revealing to us is that innovation really happens in incremental steps. You look at the pieces and parts that you have at your disposal, and you very simply put those those pieces and parts together in a different way. You're not you're not going and doing something radical that nobody has ever thought of because that stuff rarely grabs traction, right? I mean, we always talk about a person who was way ahead of their time. You know, they didn't get any any kind of credibility because they were so far ahead of their time. But but when you think about all the great innovations. They, they make sense. They're, they're logical. You, you can see how that thing works. You know, one of my favorite examples of this notion of innovation and, and what is and is not innovation is, came from uh, Charles Spencer, the executive presbytery of, the Heart, of Heartland Presbytery, where we're members. He said, you know, in Heartland Presbytery, for such a time as this, that, that program over for pastoral residency, we've already done that. So that wouldn't be innovative for us. But for one of our presbyteries, sister presbyteries, who's not done that, that could very well be the innovative thing that helps their presbytery get going. I think those are those are really good. Uh, but I do want to come back to this notion of fear, this this fear idea. And 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 you and I read a, a blog post this week. Um, by uh, Seth Godin, one of my favorites. Um, again, if you all don't know Seth Godin, uh, you need to know him. That's G-O-D-I-N, Seth Godin. And he has a blog post that we've, that we've both read uh, about this. And the blog post is titled, Avoiding Fear by Indulging in Our Fear of Fear. 
<laughs> Almost as good as you have nothing to fear but fear itself. <laughs> right, right. This guy could be Presbyterian, right? He could be. He could be. Um, and one of the things that the, the a line that he has in here that I want to explore with you, because you, you started to touch on this. Um, he says, it's very simple. The fear that used to protect us is now our worst enemy. What do you think he meant by that? Well, I think it's a commentary on the way we've always done it and being afraid is now actually a liability instead of a strength. Mm -hmm. We've always said, again, decency and order, this is the way it's done. And it gets scary to finally hear that the way it's always been done might not be the way it needs to be done in the future. Um, For the institutional church, and especially us Presbyterians, change is something that we're afraid of because we like the familiar. We We like the for lack of a better word, institutional control and controlling the pace. And he's right there in our face saying, you know, um, the way you've always done that, the way it's always been, is is no longer the safest route. In fact, the irony is is that it's safer to be risky right. than it is to be safe. Yeah, he says that in, in other blog posts. Safe is now risky and risky is now safe. But we've our 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 our, our inst- the institutions of our church, you know, our, our congregations, our presbyteries, our synods, even our general assembly um, we've historically not had a lot of room to be risky. Um, you know, if we were to talk about, uh, you know, congregations, presbytery, synods, etc., as um, you know, as companies, our profit margin is pretty small. There's there's not a lot of opportunity to take a lot of risk. So, I, I think in some regards, and, and we talk about this all the time. You know, we we try to we try to find the most gracious explanation for why somebody's not doing something. Um, why aren't presbyteries? Why aren't congregations? Why aren't synods? Why isn't the general assembly taking a risk? Well, the profit margin is pretty small. You know, the, the the amount of funds that we have to reinvest in something has historically been pretty small. And I think that's what Godin is talking about when he says, you know, we've, we've got a fear. We want, we want to be good stewards of the money that we have. We want to be good stewards of the people that we have, of the resources, of the legacy. We don't want to screw that up, right? I mean, this this marvelous thing called church has been given to us, and we want to pass it on to the next generation in as good, if not better, form than when we have. You know, we, we will be damned if we were the people holding the ball when the whole game fell apart, right? So we don't want to do anything stupid. But what Godin is pointing to, and and what you and I have discovered in in talking with Presbyterians around the country and just around the Senate is um, that that notion of playing it safe. Things are changing so rapidly and so fast that that's actually a real stupid move to play it safe because we have a it's it's almost as if we've got a wrong read on our community and a wrong read on what is required of us in our ministry would you would you say that's that's fair i think it's fair and i think uh, again to reiterate what, and back up what you were saying uh, we don't want to say that we want to change for change's sake or to go radical or to be poor stewards and do something for the sake of doing it. Mm-hmm. I think what Godin's really getting at is is you have to be um, tactical and intentional about what you're doing, but it involves an element of risk. There is no guarantee. You want to start that Hispanic worshiping community. There's no 100% guarantee that in five years it'll be a 300-person self-sustaining church. Right. Historically, we see stewardship as making sure that everything's a sure thing. I think what the challenge of the 21st century church is saying is there's a 30% chance it succeeds. Let's go for it. And we're providing, uh, presbyteries are providing, synods providing, funds like these innovation funds, funds like they have in in, uh, John Calvin Presbytery. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, to, To do these kind of things that says it's okay. And I think the key component of that is risk and what comes out of risk is a great teacher. If you look at, at Jesus and the disciples, they, they were risky people. They went out there, they went to the towns, they took a risk, 
and the church grew and profited from that. Did it always succeed? No, but the success comes in the process. Mm-hmm. And I'm re- recalling a, a good friend of mine had a great sermon this last week on Pentecost about what would our church look like if we weren't afraid? What would church look like mm-hmm. if we had no fear? Not being crazy and tilting at windmills, but if we really went out there and said, you know what, we've had this dream of doing this, but we're so afraid. Today, we're going to go for it. Yeah. What would it look like? What would that be? How much would that innovate and change our church? And I think in the work in the Synod of America, we're beginning to see small processes where our presbyteries have taken that risk. And now we're really beginning to see how much fruit that risk has uh, given us. I'm so glad you brought up the Pentecost text. I, I also got to preach uh, this last week. And the, and the, the line that struck me uh, was that where, where, where Peter is quoting from Joel. You know, your young are going to see visions and your old are going to dream dreams. And then I was having a conversation with one of our presbyters this week. Um, and, and, and this person has been in the church for, for a good while. Um, and they have, they have been singing the song that you and I sing for their entire ministry. And their entire ministry, they've been told, no, we can't do that. No, we can't. You know, this fear that Godin is talking about has kept them from doing the ministry that they really feel like the church is being called to. But now this person is in a position of power, in a position of authority, uh, in a position where they can make stuff happen. And then young whippersnappers like you and I come along, right? And we're singing the same song, and they're like, we've heard that before. But instead of telling us no, they are saying, how can we help you get that done? And what, it, what just blew my mind, because I'm thinking about this Joel text, you and I are the young who are seeing visions about the way that the church can be. And this person, I wouldn't say that they're, they're old and they're elderly, but they have some wisdom and experience and they, they are, you know, they would be in this metaphor, they would be the old. They have a dream about the way that it can be. And so it's the old and the young, the young and the old working in tandem to make sure this stuff happens. One of the things that I am convinced of that we don't talk about enough in innovation are, are who are these According to Joel, who are these old who are dreaming the dreams? Where are they? You know, who are they? Um, Somebody has to be the giant upon whose shoulders other people are standing, right? Somebody has to be willing to say, we are now the institution. We're going to lay down our lives for the sake of these young whippersnappers who are saying stuff. You know, I mean, I can think about, you know, Jan Edmiston, who we're bringing into Oasis. Um, You know, she... Uh, Church for Starving Artists, uh, the blog at Church for Starving Artists. She's the Associate Executive Presbyter in Chicago Presbytery. She's going to come and be a part of our oasis. She is one of those people that I think of who would be considered uh, you know, an experienced, lifelong minister of the gospel who's been through a lot, and she's now opening up avenues for people to get this stuff done. Um, yeah, where, where are the old who are connecting with the young? Where are the ex- established that are connecting with the new? You brought up John Calvin. John Calvin has a grant for creative ministries where you can get up to $5,000 to start creative ministries. Uh, you know, one-year grant open to all churches, small and large. We want people, I, I mean, a lot of the work that we did on our, on our innovation fund in a lot of ways was patterned after some of the thinking that was done in this creative ministry grant. I mean, this stuff is happening. I mean, we... We really should be not bemoaning it anymore because the stuff is happening. Again, I, I love what you said. And the whole thing is, is, is traditionally innovation tends to be labeled as the young people are innovative and creative and old people are stodgy and no good. And what I really like 
to in this whole innovative process is innovation's a mindset whether you're 15 mm-hmm. or 95. Preach. And the beauty of, of these sort of opportunities are is that people in the church are now beginning to have a place to go, like our friend we were talking about, and have these kind of risks. People like you and I and our friends in ministry from all ages are now beginning to say, let's go do this. Mm-hmm. And now we're given these wonderful financial resources. I think there's great wisdom in the fact that both these funds are birthed out of traditional brick-and-mortar money. Oh my gosh. Now yes. being used to do something different. We didn't invent that idea. No. The ideas we're talking about today aren't really new. They've been in the church for many decades, and they're part of our reformed tradition. That idea of being formed and always being reformed. Yeah. We are simply just now putting it in a place of action rather than dialogue. Yeah. But again, back to that brick and mortar, we took we understand building churches no longer. Uh, just about building a building. It's about building something bigger. Yeah, I love that image, and I love that text about Joel, about seeing signs that people will dream big. Yeah. We will go for the gold, and if we don't get there, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. We, we grow from that, and that God calls us to go out there. We talked about it in our first podcast, the ability to go out there and fail. Yeah. The ability to go out there and say, it's okay, and learn from that each time we get better and better and better, and each time the church becomes more able to make those innovations stick. We're in the beginning processes mm-hmm. of this. We're in a totally different landscape of church than we've ever been. We don't have a 100% guarantee, but it's better to go out there and try something and risk for the gain of the gospel mm-hmm. than it would be for us to kind of sit back. and. I think that is a wonderful and awesome thing. And now we're beginning to actually put finances, people resources, presbytery time and effort, staff resources into that. And I don't think we've seen that kind of creative energy, at least in my opinion, in our church in a very long time on a big scale. Mm -hmm. It's always existed on a small scale, Mm -hmm. but now institutionally, Presbyterians, um, the Synod, the National Office with its uh, mission, Presbyterian Mission Agency, these new worshiping communities. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a new hunger and energy out there for us to go out there and go for it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. What I love seeing is in these presbyteries, they're being so intentional about it. I mean, you and I often joke, you know, we've had this innovation fund since August. Where the heck are the We can't give away free money. We can't give away free money. Where are they? But as I talk to these presbyters and as I talk to, you know, the various committees that are responsible for it, like like, uh, John Calvin Presbytery, um, they put together a committee with the sole purpose of, of, of putting together a proposal for this, for this innovation fund. Um, but they're not, they're also not being willy nilly. I mean, they've now been meeting for, I think four or five weeks. They're, they're meeting on a weekly basis and they're going through the developing new worshiping communities, um, uh, process that you can download from the, from the Presbyterian Mission Agency website. They are being so intentional about making sure to lay the foundation. It's it's kind of like, you know, up, up until recently, people have been giving us a load of crud about what is the Senate actually doing, and we have to explain to them, you know, we've we've been laying our foundation, we've been getting our priorities right, we've been getting our structure right. You know, we don't want to rush in. You know, fools rush in. We don't want to rush in. We've been getting all of our ducks in a row, um, and now we're ready to do something with that duck. Now, to, to quote another thing about Seth Godin, he always says, "You get your ducks in a row, but what you're going to do with that duck?" We got a lot of people who want to do stuff with these ducks. And John Calvin Presbytery in, in particular, Southern Kansas is another one. Heartland Presbytery is another one. Gettings Lovejoy is another one. I mean, we've got we've got these presbyteries who are putting serious mental, emotional, and spiritual effort into making sure they've got their ducks in a row so that, uh, well, frankly, we can sacrifice one of those ducks on the altar of good ministry. Talk about risking, you know, losing your own life. Poor duck. Poor duck. 
But you know what? But you know what I've discovered from each one of these places. Every one of them says the same thing. What we have found: the places that are successful always start out with some crazy person who wants to do something for the sake of the gospel. That's where that's where it always starts. My friend, my friend Judd Hendricks, who uh, who was my uh, field ed supervisor when I was in uh, at Louisville Seminary, he always talks about the freaks on the fringe. These folks are wanting the freaks on the fringe. So I guess, hey, podcast listeners, are you a freak on the fringe? Are you a member of one of the presbyteries of the Synod of Mid-America? Please contact your presbytery. If you've got a fantastic idea for a new worshiping community, for a new mission and ministry, they, they want to know who you are. We, we know who several of these folks are. You know, we, There are creative people all through our presbyteries, but the more people that we have who are saying, I want to do this for the sake of the gospel, uh, the better. I think we've talked a lot about innovation, and it's been a good conversation, don't you? I think it's been a wonderful conversation, and I think I love what you said, and I, I think the parting thought for us today is is go out there and fear not. Go for it, um, and let's see what happens. Be innovative, be creative, and we really, really wish that we have thousands of applications to troll for. Yeah. Um, and Look at you being hopeful. I'm always hopeful. That's so precious. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> I think the hope of our church is the innovation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is, is the gift we have given us. And, you know, I don't remember what company it is. I think it was 3M says, we didn't build whatever, we made it better. Mm. We're not building anything new. We're simply reimagining it and making it better. You know, the, the, the president of Louisville Seminary, which is the Covenant Seminary to the Senate of Mid-America, uh, Michael Jenkins, uh, talks about the reform movement. And he says... Um, the, 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 the highlight gift, the, the, the hidden gift of the reformed movement is that we are innovators. We have people in the reform movement have always been innovators. That is who we are. Somehow we forgot that. Somehow we went to sleep. I don't, I don't know how it's no, you know, there's no sense in blaming any of us for it, but that is our legacy. Our legacy, that, that would be the parting word I would want to leave. You know, you've, you've got, you're leaving hope. I'm leaving. This is who we have always been. This being innovators, being people who risk for the sake of the gospel to point to Jesus Christ and say, look, this thing is awesome. Don't you want to be a part of this? That has always been who we who we have been. And I think that we can reclaim it pretty easily, don't you? Amen. All right. Well, this has been uh, yet another edition of the SomaCast, our romp through Presbyterian fun. As always, I'm Landon, and this is James. Say goodbye, James. Goodbye, James. See, I've trained him so well. We'll talk to you next time. For more information about the mission and ministry of the Synod of Mid-America, you can find us on the internet at synodma.org. That's S-Y-N-O-D-M-A dot org. If you have any questions and comments, please send us an email at office at synodma.org, or you can give us a call at 913-608-7662.